Hey everyone, my name is Josh Wilson. I'm one of the pastors here at Storyline. Thanks for tuning in for our online service tonight. Uh, just a quick Merry Christmas to you. I hope that your Christmas day was filled with a lot of great memories and meaningful time with your friends and family. Um, before we dive into the Bible tonight, I want to start off our time by asking you to think of a time where your love was tested. All right, this can be a silly or a serious time. And I want to, as you're kind of thinking on this or maybe even consulting someone, I'll share my thought that came to me. So my wife and I, um, Cherish is her name. We started dating when we were 16. And I actually remember the date of when we started dating. So it was February 12th of 2002, just two days before Valentine's Day. Now, what I didn't realize that I was getting myself into with this date is that I was going to have a yearly test to prove my care and concern for Cherish. Now, I'm not just speaking because it's Valentine's Day. I'm saying this because there was another guy that was in our school that had a huge, massive crush on Cherish. I mean, he was just completely infatuated with her. And so every Valentine's Day, this guy would bring gifts to her to share his care and concern for her. So he'd bring this assortment of flowers or notes or candy to Cherish at her locker before school started every single year on Valentine's Day. Now, Cherish, I never questioned her interest or her devotion to me, but this was something that I knew that I needed to meet this guy and actually exceed him, right? Like, I never felt threatened by this guy, but I knew that he couldn't outdo me in showing my care and concern for Cherish. And so I had to I had to dig into this bag of creativity, right? Like he kind of hit all the mainstream kind of gifts that you would give. So the first year, I'm just learning things, right? I'm figuring this out. So I give her a pretty typical gift. I give her a stuffed animal, but I had to put a squirt of my cologne on there, you know, just take it up the next level. I also gave her flowers and candy and some notes just to share how much I cared for her. The next year, I, I bumped it up a little bit, right? Like, so I went to this place that we had in the town that we lived in. It was a make it, make your own like soap and lotions place. And so I went to this place. I made soap and lotion and for Cherish, this an assortment. And I brought this gift back to her on uh, Valentine's Day that year. So stepped it up a little bit. This last year, though, was my favorite year. All right, so senior year, this is what I did. I went to Hobby Lobby. And I got one of those brown wooden boxes there, just one of those plain wooden boxes. And so what I did is I, I made a memory box for her. So I went and printed out a bunch of the different photos that we had taken together while we had been dating, and I pasted it all over this thing. And then I also stuffed it with an assortment of these, these memories or these little collectibles that I had from different things that we had gone and done together. So I had like boutonnieres from dances or proms that I stuffed in there. I had movie ticket stubs that these movies that we had gone, I kept them and I stuffed them full with this box. These little trinkets from different activities that we had gone to do while we had been dating, I stuffed that box full of those different things and I gave it to her on Valentine's Day. So probably my favorite gift that I gave to her. Now, it, this was, I didn't realize I was getting myself into this, but it was a yearly test where I had to, that Cherish never imposed on me, where I knew I had to ace it to prove that I cared for her more than this other guy that was in our school. Now, tonight, as we're looking at the final, we're going to look at the final uh, theme of Advent. Now, I know that technically Advent is over, but there's one theme of Advent that we have yet to touch on yet, and it's the theme of love. Now, when we think about God or we have questions about who God is, one of the most common answers that we give is that God is love. It's a little phrase that we get from the, the letter 1 John in the New Testament. 
But when we give this answer to people, if, they, if we get the question to us, who is God, and we give the response, God is love, it usually begs questions, doesn't it? Like if that's an answer that you've given to maybe a family member or a friend or a coworker, it usually gets a lot of questions in response, doesn't it? Questions like, well, if God is love, then why is this world filled with hate? Or if God is love, then why do we still deal with things like death and sickness and pain? If God is love, then why are there things like world hunger that are still around us? Or why haven't all the wars ceased? I mean, there's, these are all questions that are really a test to the answer that God is love, aren't they? We need proof. We need evidence that God really is who he claims to be in the Bible. And the passage that we're looking at tonight is one of the greatest proofs to us that God really is love. We're going to look at Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And so I want to read that out loud for us real quick, and then we'll dive in with the direction for where we're headed tonight. So here's what the word of the Lord says. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. The first registration took place while Quirinius was governing, governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there is no guest room available for them. You see, this passage proves that God passes the love test in at least three ways for us. It shows us that God loves us because he wants to know us. Secondly, that he wants to be with us. And then thirdly, that he wants to redeem us. So let me break down these three for us. And then we'll close. So the first is that God wants to know us. The birth of Jesus proves God's love to us because it demonstrates that God wants to know us. You may ask the question, well, isn't God all-knowing? I mean, we have passages like Psalm 44 where it says that he knows the secrets of our heart. If God is all-knowing, then how does him coming to earth prove that he wants to know us? He already knows our thoughts. He already knows the things that are happening in our inmost being. So how does this prove any further to us that God genuinely wants to know us? Well, it proves to us that God doesn't just know us factually, but that he knows us experientially. See, God, by coming down in the person Jesus, God puts himself in our shoes. We see a couple of verses that kind of give thought to this as well. They're both in the book of Hebrews. So Hebrews 2.18 says this, For since he himself has suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted. You see, because Jesus came and put on human flesh, he walked in our shoes. He knows what it's like to be tempted by evil. And so he can sympathize with us in that. Later in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, this is what the author says. We do not have a high priest, speaking of Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet was without sin. This means we have a God who can sympathize with our suffering and our pain because he's lived through it. He's walked in our shoes. He's done the day-to-day -day life that you and I live 
He's done this. He can sympathize with us. But it also means that we have a God who can give us strength to fight against sin and suffering and temptation in this world because he's overcome it. He came into this world. He did not sin. And because of this, he can give us the strength and the power to fight against these evil forces in our life as well. You see, no, uh, no God of any other religion has gone to such lengths to know humanity as the God of the heavens, the God of the Bible, to prove his love for us. But the God of the Bible proves that he loves us because he became one of us. He knows us. He's walked in our shoes. So that's the first way. The second way that we know that God has kind of passed the love test for us is that he proves that his love, he proves his love to us because he came to be with us. God gives a lot of promises in the Bible, doesn't he? I mean, there's many different promises that you can run to that God gives to his people over the course of human history. But do you know what the most common promise that God gives throughout all the Bible is that he will be with us. It's not that he will forgive his people. It's not that he will overcome their enemies. God's most frequent promise to his people is that he will be with them. I mean, you see this almost from the very beginning of time. You see this with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob as they're on these journeys. God has called them to himself, given the promises that he's going to create a people out of their ancestors. But every time that he calls them to do something, he's reminding them, I'm going with you. I am with you. Then you see with God's people in Israel, as they are in Egypt, they're fleeing out of Egypt to go towards the promised land, this place that God has promised that he would give them. He, every single time that they are beginning to wane and question, God gives them the promise, I will be with you. As they are wandering around in the wilderness, um, Joshua rises up and he's the one that's going to take them into the promised land. What's the promise that God gives to Joshua as he's dealing with fear and anxiety as he's about to take these people that aren't warriors into a promised land where they're going to have to fight and battle and remove people from the land to inherit the land that they promised? What's the promise that God gives Joshua? That he will be with him. Then you see the remnant of Israel as they disobey God and they're fled out, they're exiled out of the promised land and they go into Babylon. What's the promise that he gives this remnant, these people that continue to show that there's repentance and desire for God? What's the promise that he gives them? That he'll be with them even when they're not in the promised land. And in Jesus, God himself became man and his name was Emmanuel, which was God with us. And in the birth narrative of Jesus, God proves that he loves us because he fulfills his most oft-told promise that he wants to be with us. It's forever been God's desire that he would dwell with man or better said that we would dwell with him. In the coming of Christ, this became a reality. The God of the universe, the king of the universe came down to humanity to dwell with us. He wants to be with you. So we see that God proves his love to us. If there's a love test, not that God has to prove his love to us, but he, he did by coming to us. He proved it to us that he came to be with us. He did it because he proved that he wants to know us. And then thirdly, he proved that he wants to redeem us. Well, the first two evidences of God's love were costly to come down to earth for him to show that he knows us. These were costly things. He had to give incredible humility um, to leave his rightful place in heaven to come down to earth. 
But this last proof was sacrificial because it cost him his life. The only way God could secure our being with him and knowing him was by paying the ultimate price. You see, the Bible tells us that the cost of our sin was death. And our sin had to be dealt with. It's not something that God could just overlook. It's not just something that he could wipe away. It actually had to be dealt with. And it couldn't just be dealt with any death. It had to come from a death of someone that was sinless and perfect. It had to be a sinless and perfect sacrifice. And Jesus, being the only one who had ever lived a sinless life on this earth, volunteered himself to go and pay that ultimate sacrifice. The Bible puts it that Jesus redeemed us from the curse of sin by becoming a curse for us. What's unbelievable about this truth to me is who Christ was willing to die for. You see, I, I was willing to prove my love to cherish um, in my first opening illustration. In the yearly test, knowing that cherish had a sense of love and concern that she already had for me. But what the Bible tells us is that Christ died for us while we were still enemies against him. He paid the ultimate cost for us when we had yet to show any measure of love towards God whatsoever. This is the extent to which God has loved you and me. So look, if you take anything away from this, you should remember this, all right? Your circumstances don't dictate the love of God in your life. When you are met with troubles and suffering in this life, it does not mean that God's love has worn out on you, that you've sinned just too much, that you've crossed the line. That's not what that means. When God seems distant or absent, it's not because he's left you, because he came to be with you. When it seems like no one understands you, that you just constantly feel misunderstood, you can come back to the reminder that God knows you because he came down to earth in Jesus and he walked in your shoes. He knows exactly what you're going through. We know this because God proved this when his love came down from heaven to us in the form of his one and only son, Jesus Christ. So let me close with just a couple of questions for you. The first one is this. Have you received God's love? Has God's love come and captivated your life and your heart and your soul? The beauty of what the Bible tells us is that God does not require us to do anything to fix our life. There's nothing that we have to show or prove our love to him first before he then loves us. No, Jesus came down and he died for us while we were still enemies. So look, have you received the love of God? Have you stepped and put your worst foot forward and received the goodness and the kindness of God that has been expressed towards you in Jesus Christ? Receive his love and place your trust in him. There's nothing else that the Bible requires of you than simple faith in Jesus for all that he's done for you in his life, death, and resurrection. So receive his love. The second question is this. Are you living in Christ's love? Maybe you step forward, you put your words forward and you received this love of Christ, but it's so easy for us to look at our circumstances in this life and for that to dictate in our mind how much God loves us in the present. Well, friend, remember that God has done everything for you in Jesus by coming and putting on human flesh, walking in your place, climbing up the cross and staying in your place, dying the death that you deserved. 
The grave could not contain him. Three days later, he rose. And here's how we know that his love for us is secure because Jesus is alive and is seated at the right hand of God where no one can touch Jesus. No one can bring down Jesus. No one can remove his love for you because Jesus is permanently sat by the right hand of God. So look, are you walking in the truth and the reality that God loves you? And there's nothing, absolutely nothing that can change his love for you. Are you living with his assurance and his acceptance? Are you worried and living with this anxious heart about doing the right thing? You don't have to worry about that anymore because Jesus has come and we know that God loves us because the reality of God coming to humanity shows us that his love came down to us from heaven. God has no other test of his love to prove to us because in Jesus, God came to know us. He came to be with us and he came to redeem us. So friend, live in that truth. Let's pray. Father, I ask that as the reality of Jesus coming to earth, the Bible terminology for that is the incarnation, that God came to be with us. God dwelt with us. You know us. You want to be with us. And you pay the ultimate price by redeeming us through the blood of Jesus. May we live and walk in this reality. And may we turn to no one else but Jesus. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.